I don't know about you, but I needed that song. It's been a hard week. It's been a great week. But I needed that. I could keep singing. Like, I could go sit down. I'd be good with that. Like, we'll just keep singing. But we're not going to do that. You guys, you think I'm going to get off the hook that easy? That's not going to happen. The world loves gossip, don't we? Like we think, oh, it's no big deal. I mean, all you have to do is stand in the line at the grocery store waiting to check out, and there's racks upon racks of gossip. Stories that are fabricated, pictures that are photoshopped. And really, let's be honest, the only place that we would read that is standing in line at the grocery store. It's also why shows like Jerry Springer are popular. Maury, back in the day, Montel, and Donahue. But let's be honest, it's not the only place that gossip happens. Maybe if you don't read it in the grocery store, maybe you participate in it at work. How does that gal always make sales plan at the last minute? Why does that person always have an appointment to go to? It's easy. It's easy to talk about people. It's, it's easy to, to fill in the gaps when we don't know the entire story. Or maybe you're not quite the talk at work, you just stay in your cubicle, but you go to lunch. And when you go to lunch, you, you're happy to share what you saw on someone's Twitter feed or Facebook feed. And go, how could they do that? Did you see what they were wearing? Words are powerful. They have an impact both on ourselves and others. But our words can get us in trouble too. Guys, if we're perfectly honest, when she comes up and has that dress on and goes, does this dress make me look fat? Words can get you in trouble pretty quickly. <laughs> or what about, hey, do you like my new hair? Well, I love you. <laughs> but when we think about words, statistics are pretty interesting because I, lo I love dumb facts. The average person has over 30 conversations a day. Now that's extroverts and introverts, so it's an average between the two. I probably only have 10 and my wife probably only has 50, but it averages. The other interesting part is that we speak so much that we could fill up 66 books a year at 800 pages. That's a lot of room to make a mistake. James recognizes this as he talks about the tongue more than any other writer in the New Testament. James chapter 3, verse 3 and following reads like this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses and make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. When the, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. We have been made in God's likeness. Some of the, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be so. When we go to the doctor, what's one of the first things that the doctor makes you do? Stick out your tongue, and they shove that popsicle stick to the back of your throat, and they make you say, ah. Well, I was like, as I was looking, thinking through this, I was like, this is really interesting. Why do they do that? So, of course, I had to go to Google or WebMD, both, and go, well, what's so important about the tongue? Doctors can actually tell how hydrated you are by looking at the tongue. They can tell whether you're a smoker, a chewer, or have some type of disease simply by looking at your tongue. James also makes a few observations about the tongue. The first observation is this. Our tongue chooses our direction. I think if James would have simply said that, we'd be like, hey James, thanks a lot. Good motivational talk. But he gives us pictures and examples. He says, your tongue is like a horse. You put the bridle in the horse's mouth, and you have control over a two to 3,000 pound animal. Now, I've been to the Churchill Downs Museum and know that a 90 pound jockey, with their silks and equipment on, 90 pounds, they can control a two to 3,000 pound animal simply by having a bit in their mouth. James says that's what the tongue is like. It's this little tiny muscle that has so much control over the greater body. It can build others up. It can tear others down. It can land you the job, or it can get you fired. It determines your direction in life. We see it on TV, especially you know, during sports seasons, professional athletes, how quickly they can flare up at a referee and get kicked out of a game. Or how quickly they say something in the locker room and the coach or team owner suspends them from the team. We see it also every day, right now, in politics. How quickly something you say will rise and fall with the poll numbers. It'll be twisted out of context to make the other person look good or look bad. And how quickly things can change simply by something that is said. James gives another example. He says, what about a ship? Think of, think of a ship. Think of a cruise ship. There's miles upon miles of deck space. Pools upon pools to swim in. Acres and acres of recreational area. Thousands of pounds of food. And yet, this cruise ship is controlled by something relatively small. The rudder at the back of the ship. And in comparison, it's, it's 
small. It's not very big at all. And the amazing part about cruise ships is typically the rudder is controlled by a joystick anymore. It's not even the big cool wheels like we see in the old movies. A joystick controls a cruise ship. James says the, the same is true for our tongues. Something so small can literally direct our entire life. The next thing that James says is that the tongue can impale others. James 3.5 reads, The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great for when a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among body parts. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being is able to tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. James doesn't hold back. He doesn't say, oh, be careful what you say. He says, no, like, your tongue is, is full of poison. Man is able to control horses and lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But we can't control this little thing that's in our mouth. He likens it to a forest fire. We've all seen forest fires in the news and what they, what they can do. Acres upon acres, miles upon miles being burnt down. All by a simple, careless spark. That spark ignites the fire. The fire then carries through a path, doesn't, doesn't care what's in its way. Somebody's house doesn't go, oh, somebody nice lives here, I'm going to go around it. No, it takes it out. Maybe a cynical remark is your spark. Maybe it's a, a passing comment as you walk by somebody. Maybe that's the spark that causes the devastation of a relationship. One of the big things, big issues about gossip is this. Other than tearing people down, gossip really comes from getting the story wrong. As I was thinking about this, I, I went back to my childhood days. And did anybody play the telephone game? Yeah? I thought about playing it here in church, but I thought maybe that would be a little weird. So we're not going to play that. But the telephone game, if you've never played it, is like if we were to play it, I would say something down here, and they would whisper it, and it would come all the way down the line, and then Josh would have to stand up and say what he heard. And typically what happens is what I say here and what Josh says, two totally different things. Gossip's that way as well. It even sounds creepy. I mean, if you think about it, it sounds like a snake, right? Gossip. Okay? Like, it sounds creepy. And that's exactly what the... the, the the meaning of the word is. 
It's venomous, like a snake, like a deadly snake. One bite and you're done. That's exactly how gossip works. Rick Warren, who has written The Purpose Driven Life and other books, has a definition of gossip that I liked. He said, when we are talking about a situation when somebody who is neither a part of the problem or a part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping about them. Bonnie Miller of the Chicago Tribune writes this, gossip, always hurtful, but once limited to note passing, phone calls, and scribes on the bathroom walls, is more pervasive and vicious than ever, thanks to the internet. Thanks to social media, gossip now is easier than ever. It's not uncommon to, to hear a story of a teenager who commits suicide simply because of something somebody posted on Twitter or Facebook. It rages through and takes the life of somebody like a raging forest fire, all because of one little spark that somebody said. James gives another great illustration. We've all been to the zoo or seen the circus, animals that are tamed by man, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But no man is able to tame a tongue. James says it's a, a restless evil. This is the same word that he uses back in James chapter 1, talking about man being double-minded. A restless evil literally means that at any point in time, that animal can lash out. And at any point in time, your tongue can say something you didn't mean for it to say. And he says, your tongue is deadly. It's poisonous. It can hurt. It can bite. It can even kill. The tongue also reveals what's in our hearts. I think this is the one where I struggled the most. This is, this is the, the, the part of the passage where I went, ow, that hurts. Verse 9 says, the tongue, with our tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness of God. As I started thinking through this, I realized, nuts. So when I curse people, and I'm not talking like say a bad word, okay? I'm talking like I hate this person, or I can't stand this person, or I really wish they would go somewhere, or I really wish they would, that's what I'm talking about. I realize that when I have those thoughts or I have that moment, this verse really convicted me. Because I realized that the person I'm saying it about is made in the image of God. Like, I may not like them. I may disagree with them. I, but I can't be okay saying something about someone that is made in the image of God. 
And so this week, I've been working with one of our fields here locally, and we've been doing some stuff down in the West End, and it's been a blast to be a part of. And like anything that is, is good, it comes to an end, but you tend to put a lot of hours, we've put a lot of hours into these projects and these days. And like most of you, the more tired you get, the more cynical you get, the more cynical get you get, the looser your lips become. And I realized this week, I had to swallow my tongue a whole lot more than I used to, simply because of this verse. Because, again, I couldn't look at that person or be angry with that person or be upset with that person or be frustrated with that person because they are made in the image of God. And God doesn't make mistakes. And so I'd, I'd be down working with somebody and they would do something that would just blow my mind and I'd go, that's nice, thanks. <laughs> when you view people in the image of God, your perspective changes. Your perspective changes. We're real good about coming in here on Sunday morning and singing about how great God is or spirit fill me up. But then we walk out the doors heading to lunch trying to beat the Baptist and somebody cuts you off. And I won't say what, what you say because I, I surely don't say something like that. Because I view people in the image of God, right? But or, or maybe you're not that person. Somebody cuts you off and you wave at them and have a nice day. Maybe you're sitting at a stoplight. Light turns green and the person in front of you is doing this. And you go, oh, 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 go! <laughs> but again, there's extra words in there. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you, you have your driving under control, but you get to lunch, and you talk about, oh, I can't believe we sang that song. Or I can't believe that person was that loud. Or I can't believe the kid was crawling across the floor. Or, Did you see what she was wearing? Why is it that they talk so long up front? But then, your food comes, and you say, Dear Heavenly Father, please bless this food to our bodies. The very words that just saying about how great God is are the very, the, the very lips that then curse his creation. But then the very mouth is the one that wants his blessing. James says, watch your tongue. Because those people that you're talking about are made in the image of God and made like him. They're valuable. I love this story. Ken Blanchard tells of a business executive that does training all across the country. He and Barbara Glanz met with thousands of grocery store workers and retail stores. And they talked about the power of words and how what you say really does 
make a difference in people, people's lives. A month later, Barbara got a phone call from a guy named Johnny. Johnny was at the training, and Johnny told her, I'm 19 years old, I have Down syndrome. I work as a bagger at a grocery store. I went back to the store and I didn't know what to do with what I had learned. I went home and talked with my parents. My dad and I, we got an idea. My dad and I, we sat down at the computer and looked through books and we wrote out a statement affirming people. And we wrote it six times on the page and printed it. And then we made 50 copies. So we had 300 quotes. And then every night, Johnny would sign each one of the papers personally. The next day, he would put his quotes next to where he was bagging groceries. He would bag everybody's groceries. And the very last bag, he would put his quote in. And he would look up and make sure to make eye contact with the person that was buying groceries. And he would say this, I put something very special for you in this sack. I hope it will brighten your day. Johnny does this every single day. Barbara said after about a month, she gets another phone call from the manager at the grocery store. She says, Barbara, I can't believe it. Something really amazing is beginning to happen. She goes, we have all the lines open at the grocery store, and there's plenty of checkout people, but there's only one or two people checking out there. She goes, but Johnny's line? Johnny's line has a line of people all the way back to the frozen food section. She goes, and then it began to affect the rest of the store. The floral department, every time that they would have a broken flower, they would just toss it off and throw it in the trash. But now they're taking that flower, going out into the grocery store and finding an elderly woman or a little girl, yes. pinning it to their shirt yes. and saying, I hope you have a great day. Yes. We go around and we announce over the intercom system and we walk up and down the aisles and say, register three is open, register seven's open, you can go there for a shorter line. I go, no, 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 no. We want to wait for Johnny's inspirational thought. One lady even pulled the supervisor aside and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I used to only shop here about once a month. Now I come in every day and buy something just so I can get Johnny's encouraging word for the day. Guys, our, our world is starving for encouragement. So much so that people will line up at a grocery store all the way back to the frozen food section just to get a glimmer of encouragement, a glimmer of hope. That's what the power of our words have on people. Quite honestly, that's what I love about our church. I love that every Sunday we do something that freaked me out at first. Pass the love. It's more than a hug. It's more than a handshake. 
It's the ability to encourage somebody and say, hey, I really like your shirt. Hey, I really like your shoes. Hey, you having a good week? Hey, I was thinking about you. Your tongue has the power to love people. Your tongue has the power to build people up. Your tongue has the power to tear people down. Your tongue can control you. It can steer you in any direction that you want to go. As you talk to others, remember that you're talking to someone made in the image of God. Take this week. Encourage people. Speak words of life. Because we all need it. We all need it. Will you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for making us in your image. Thank you for giving us the ability to have an impact on people with the words that we say. God, help us to be responsible with that task. Teach us, Lord. Open our eyes to the people around us. Help us to see them the way that you see them. It's your name I pray. Amen.